Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to The Games, the podcast of record for London 2012 from The Times. I'm Chris Skinner and it's finally here. We are just hours away from the opening ceremony and for the next three weeks, London will be at the centre of the universe. Well, for sports fans at least. The Games are obviously having an impact on you. You've been getting in touch with the MyOlympics hashtag as well as filling the comments section on The Times website. And we had an amazing reaction online to Mitt Romney's criticism of the London Games, including from John Best, what a wally, didn't realise that US politicians were as bad as ours if he is elected lord help us agree or disagree let us know yesterday i asked ollie Kay how england's men would get on and he said i think they will draw 1-1 against senegal having been very surprised by the physicality some of us have a golden touch and some don't today i'll speak to daniel finkelstein about the importance of london 2012 he's a fan of opening ceremonies i'll also speak to simon barnes who whilst he loves the olympics is less of a fan plus teenage hackney blogger joe mason will describe how the games have changed his area but let's start with the opening ceremony I'm joined now uh, by Daniel Finkelstein, Times Executive Editor. I guess we should start with the opening ceremony that takes place this evening. You're excited. I am, yes. Yeah, some people think the opening ceremony is sort of uh, drama queens doing uh, things that are totally irrelevant to real sports. I totally disagree. I think that uh, if you regard this Olympics as an event as well as a sporting competition, you regard it more as sort of more than just a national sports day, uh, you have to set the tone for it. And the opening ceremony is critical in that. If you want this to lift the country, as I do, if you want it to set a tone of being optimistic and adventurous and playful, then the opening ceremony can do all of those things. So I think it's very important to get that right, quite apart from the fact that there are very few opportunities for such wonderful spectacles anyway. Uh, And to be against the opening ceremony, but to be in favour of the sports, is to sort of invest the sport with a logic that it doesn't have. Yes, it's true that the opening ceremony is a bit batty, but so um, you know, running 100 metres faster than anyone else. How much does Britain need uh, a good game set at the backdrop of the, the economic situation at the moment? Do we really need to uh, I- impress other nations? Yeah, I've always um, wanted the Olympic Games to come here and I was very, very happy when it happened uh, because I think that great moments of national unity and joy are very important for countries. Um, I, I, although I'm a believer in free markets, I understand I think a 
enough about animal spirits and human motivation to know that we sort of catch our enthusiasms off each other. And this is a way of transmitting it. I think that uh, we could emerge from these games a different nation to the one that began it. Uh, That might sound a bit optimistic, but it has happened in other countries, in Finland, in Australia, uh, twice in Australia, actually, because, you know, the, the 1956 games in Melbourne were ones that set the whole tone for modern Australia as an emerging nation yeah. for the new Australians that were coming there. And again, then, uh, in Sydney, um, it did the same thing. So it, I think it can have a really important galvanising effect on the country and also one of uh, helping the country understand its modern identity. Uh, Boris Johnson has a role to play at the uh, ceremony this evening. Uh, what, what do we expect from him? And what is international standing? <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, I think he's a, quite an English taste. And he'll have quite an interesting uh, dilemma. Does he do the Boris Act? You know, turn yeah. one way when you're supposed to turn the other, subvert whatever Danny Boyle has in mind for him? Or does he uh, do it straight uh, because he's involved in a show which involves thousands of other people and not just him? Uh, if I were him, I probably would incline towards the latter. Uh, it's not the Boris Johnson show, but I, and I, Boris is a very intelligent person. I'm sure he appreciates that. What events are you going to be clearing the diary for then over the next three weeks? <laughs> well, because I'm uh, writing about the games and the Times will be having a lot of coverage of it, um, there won't be any events to clear the diary. There'll all be events that are in the diary in order to write about them. Uh, look, I really, you know, I really like running. Uh, my greatest, um, my greatest uh, athletic feat was defeating. Seb Coe in an egg and spoon race, um, <laughs> which he did because he dropped the egg. Um, Still uh, counts. A point, uh, it's a point that I've made many times uh, in print and uh, in podcasts. Um, but uh, so I, I, I kind of do have a rather purist belief that running is the kind of heart of all sports. So I really, the middle distance running, everyone really loves this fast 100 metres running. The problem with that is you sneeze and it's over. You yeah. know, I really like the longer meteor ones. Oh, absolutely. And they go, the tactical nature of it. And also, I like I probably the 1,000. 500, you know, that sort of uh, uh, distance. Uh, finally then, uh, three weeks' time, what's the best case scenario? What has happened over the three weeks that means Brits can go, yeah, we, we really did it? Um, I don't think there's any one thing. I think it'll be an ac- accumulation of all of the little successes if we if we get the transport right, if we get the atmosphere right, the opening ceremony goes well, um, we have, you know, really spectacular athletic feats, which, win- which no one's in control of, um, uh, but I'm sure that you know every Olympics does see it, and we see the emergence of new Olympic heroes, and people feel at the end very good about this Olympics, and that it's been well organised and well run, which they do up until now. I think that feeling that Britain's always had: oh, we can't do these things, we don't do them very well, um, we, we're you know we'd never even win the games. I think most people's view that kind of pessimism will have an antidote, and that's a really good thing. I'm joined now by Time's chief sports writer, about to attend his seventh Olympic Games, which is an amazing figure. Uh, it's Simon Barnes. Simon, how excited are you right now? What I'm really looking forward to is having some actual sport to watch. I've spent okay. seven years saying, I'm glad the Games are coming to London. The Games are great, and we're going to put on a great Games. What I'm really looking forward to now is actually getting in among it and seeing people winning and seeing people losing and seeing people waving their arms in joy and some people collapsed on the floor in uh, self-loathing. 
That's what I'm looking for, the real sport now. You recently described uh, pre-Olympic whining as being like a plague. Uh, explain what you meant by that and why you think that that has happened over the last seven years. It's kind of seemed to be an inevitable process. I, I first noticed it in Sydney, uh, which uh, wonderful games, absolutely wonderful games, was preceded by seven years of the most god-awful bitch-fighting politics you could possibly <laughs> imagine. So we looked on that as a template and thought, anything the Aussies can do, we can do better. We've beaten them in the ashes at cricket. Now we're going to beat them in the sport of Olympic whinging. And I think we've done a really creditable job. We have whinged and moaned and complained and nitpicked, sometimes for quite totally genuine issues. But now it's time to stop. Now it's time for sport. And perhaps some of us will start to enjoy it. In fact, perhaps it might just be the greatest party the human race has ever been to. There's one element of the uh, games that you're not a big fan of, which is the opening ceremony. Yes, I'm going I'm to have to watch this too. So I'm going to have to watch not only the opening ceremony, but my step as well, because <laughs> I don't want to sit there, uh, you know, saying, let's seven years whining, but let me have another 24 <laughs> hours to whine at the opening ceremony. I find them uh, uh, tend to be pompous and overblown. I'm hoping very much that uh, this one, even if it is uh, uh, loud and uh, uh, vulgar, will actually have something like modesty, like uh, self-deprecation, like humour, like a touch of gentleness, like a touch of humanity in it. If we can get something like that, then uh, uh, I may not be happy with the ceremony itself, but with that, if that's the mood it engenders, if it says we are going to take on the games humbly and joyfully and modestly, then that is the way a country like ours should do it. And um, so I'll write good things about the ceremony if that's the vibe I get. Is there an alternative to an opening ceremony? Though? How, how would you like a, a, an Olympics, a World Cup, or any kind of similar event to start and to finish? Well, for the, I think the uh, London Olympic Games should start off with uh, five minutes of Morris dancing uh, and then, <laughs> then cut the tape and then we ha- then say, one, two, three, go, and then we have some sport. OK, yeah, I, I can understand that, absolutely. And, and what <clears throat> individuals then are you most looking forward to seeing over the next three weeks? Um... Take, it's, it's hard to say uh, all at once, but there are, there are, uh, I'm looking forward. Uh, the first thing I'll be doing will be the eventing, uh, which uh, I'm, I'm a great fan of as a horseman myself. And I'll be seeing the great Mark Todd now uh, um, in his uh, mid-50s, uh, recklessly uh, back to competition again, recently winner of badminton, and uh, as mad as ever, and uh, a really splendid guy. So it'd be wonderful to see how he goes, and if, astonishingly, he could pull it off again, which would be his uh, third gold medal for him if he, if he does. Anyway, I shall certainly be watching him in the first week, along with the Brits. I've got a strong fancy for, uh, uh, maybe I should rephrase that, uh, a strong belief that William Fox Pitt might have a very decent games. Um, uh, so that's from the patriotic thing, that's, that's actually what... Now, the high spot of me probably for the first week, though, will be uh, the men's all-around gymnastics, in which I'm expecting... A big day from Kohei Uchimura. In the, uh, I think he could just show himself as the the best gymnast on the planet right now. Finally, uh, th- this might be some solace to those who haven't got tickets for the games. You wrote a piece in yesterday's Times about uh, watching on TV and the joys of watching the sport on TV. Just tell us a bit about that. Yes, yeah, so first Olympic Games I covered for this newspaper. I covered from uh, my sofa. Uh, it was the LA Games of 1984, and it was sort of then it was. 
an unheard of thing to write about television coverage, which I did. But the thing that I found myself writing about was not which commentator said what and whether they got the shot right, but it was the faces that got me. Like <laughs> the faces, the faces. When you're sitting in the stadium, you can watch Usain Bolt uh, run 100 uh, uh, metres and you get a true sense of scale, but you don't see his face as, uh, in the moment of victory. You get it on the screen a little bit later on a replay, but it's not the same. It doesn't have the same emotional impact. It's not superior, but it's not inferior either. You've got that emotional intimacy when you watch on telly, and that's certainly not available uh, to us up in the stadium. So if you're watching at home on television, in some ways you have really got uh, the best seat in the house. I'm joined now by Joe Mason, who is a, uh, a young journalist working on a programme in East London called The Head Starters. So you're, you're Hackney born and raised. Right. You're 17, is that right? Right. Can you even remember the 6th of July 2005 when the Olympics were granted to London? Were you excited by that? I was excited, but I didn't know what I was going to expect. I didn't realise how much it would actually end up affecting me personally and where I live. What do you mean by that? Do you mean positively? Do you mean... Uh, what what things have really. changed? Well, there's been quite a lot of changes to how I get about. The transport system from when I was growing up is completely different to now. There's, uh, it's a lot nicer, it's a lot cleaner, the area. All the parks are much nicer as a result of the games coming. The Olympic motto is inspire a generation, but there's been loads of talk uh, that young Londoners have been left behind. Like The Olympics is a party that young Londoners haven't been invited to. Have you ever felt that way yourself? I have, and I did feel, I felt a lot of frustration and the lo other locals' frustration more so than mine because I do write a blog about it. I try to get involved with it as much as I can. But um, especially other people, my neighbours, they're very angry because this huge momentous occasion once in a lifetime comes and sits up right on your doorstep and they just build these 10 foot fences electric fences and don't let you get a ticket unless you're really lucky so how, how do you feel about the, the distribution of the tickets and, and and why so few have gone to londoners i mean it's just so annoying how they couldn't just open up free tickets to all the people who live in the host boroughs and just be like before all the tickets went on sale here you are, obviously we have to pay, because, I mean, not everyone's going to even buy them anyway, so it's not if they're worried that we're just going to take all the tickets and there's going to be no people coming in and spending money from abroad, then that's not the case. I don't know why all these big corporate companies can just throw away tickets to all their employees who have no, no, no sort of relevance to the games, they haven't been affected, they don't live near it. They'll... Have you got any? I have got tickets now. Okay. I, I got them on the third round, and I um, I finally got them through just applying normally. But and it was for something I didn't necessarily want originally. But now I'm I'm just happy that I'm taking part. And yeah. And and is that the same with your friend? Have most of your friends got tickets now? One of my friends has tickets. One. Just one. Just one. And he's he's a lucky boy. He's got about five tickets or something. Okay. Crazy. But 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 you li so you live in Hackney, and like of all your friends, only you and one other pal has got tickets. So one of my good. Not pals, ideal, yeah. is it? Not ideal. It's a joke. But are you excited about the games? Do, um, do, no, I am. Yeah. And and, and you would you say it's the same with your friends? Are you, are you looking forward to say seeing you know Usain Bolt and Rebecca Adlington and all these people actually competing? For me personally, I don't think the the sport aspect is the main thing. I think it's part of it. I think the main thing that I'm excited about would have to be just all the sort of tourists. I do like tourists coming to town, yeah, yeah. so that's like I'm here right in sort of central London at the moment so it's really cool just seeing all the tourists about and before I let you go I mean I've, I've loved what you, uh, you've written on your blog so yeah, at the Journo Joe is your Twitter feed and you can link there's a link there to your blog isn't it yeah well as a, as a, as a fellow uh, Hackney Cider enjoy the traffic 
It's, <laughs> it's going to be a fun three weeks. Uh, Joe, thank you. Thank you, Chris. We've been asking you to get in touch via Twitter using the MyOlympics hashtag. Chris Bridden sums up the excitement that many people will be experiencing right now. He's off to London on Sunday to see Archery at Lords, the first of three trips to the Olympics. And as a preview for that, Mike Atherton will join us from Lords tomorrow. Please send your Olympic thoughts over and we'll read as many as we can on tomorrow's programme. Finally, if you listen to this on the Times iPad app, you can also get the programme as an MP3 via iTunes. And if you listen via iTunes, you can get the show on our iPad app, where it comes with some amazing accompanying images relevant to all the topics we cover. If you aren't yet a Times subscriber, go to timespacks.co.uk, where there are various excellent offers to suit your reading habits. Our next show will be with you tomorrow morning. The Times iPad edition updates at 5am, 5pm and 10.30pm every day of the Games. Enjoy the opening ceremony. Bye-bye. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.